Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Mem in Maseches Pesachim. We'll start with the Mishnah on the Testament base, because otherwise we're starting in the middle of something. And hopefully we'll get to the Mishnah on Memamad Beis, and then tomorrow, it looks like hopefully it'll go even faster. So, the, by way of introduction, yesterday we did Mar, that was beautiful. It's good to see everybody back live at Bnei Jacob Shar Zion in here in Baltimore. Um, so we're back now into the Mishnah. We'll read the Mishnah and then we'll say some introductory remarks prior to the Gemara. So the Mishnah says, You can't soak bran for chickens. Now the truth is, you look at the Achronim, it's not totally clear, is this because there's, is this because there's some sort of grain on the bran? The bran, right, is this because there's flour? What exactly is the issue? We're, we'll discuss that in a minute. But the, but the, I mean, the issue we know. The issue is we don't want something to become chametz, right? But the question is, in order to become chametz, right, you need to have flour and water, and then it leavens. And here, is there flour here? Does the bran leaven? So, or are we concerned that, right, or, or that, that if you do bran, if you do this with bran, that you'll end up doing it with flour? Right, so this is what we're going to get into. Areas where you're not necessarily, the activity that you're doing isn't actually going to create something becoming chametz. But it could lead to it either because it's going to habituate you to doing an activity and in other contexts it will become chametz or because perhaps there's some flower inadvertently that's not really essential to your activity that will become chametz. That's the point of this Mishnah. Right, and that's going to be the point of our Gemara. Activities that you do that aren't in itself going to create chametz, but could in fact um, incidentally create chametz, and we're being extra careful. That's the point here. So, in this case, soaking bran could, and again, there's various explanations of how it could do so, but it could lead to something becoming chametz. Aval cholten, but you could scald it. So again, if you soak it in, let's say, tepid waters. So then you're going to potentially lead to chametz, but anything that goes into, right, boiling hot water, cooks it, as we will see in the Gemara, before it gets a chance to leaven, and we will, as we will see, scalding hot water is not an, is, is something that we're not worried about, um, that, about creating chametz. Uh, I believe that the great Dafyomi master, Ari Leibowitz, discussed whether this was true, soaking it, or also would be true with Irui. We'll see there's a little bit of crossover with Hilchas Shabbos uh, with these in Yanim, right? What is considered baking and etc. And this would be one potential issue. If you, if you pour scalding hot water over it, is that, would that be the same halacha? As we know that there is a, a little distinction in Hilchas Shabbos between putting something into a Kli Rishon and actually pouring onto something from a Kli Rishon. And so, but be that as it may, in terms of the basic fundamentals, Scalding hot water, right? Boiling water and um, flour don't create don't create chametz, according to the Mishnah. Okay. Furthermore, says the Mishnah, the woman can't soak the bran to take with her to the baths. Okay, so this seems like it would be uh, a continuation of the idea of soaking bran. Aval continues the Mishnah, shafahi bivsara yavish. Aha, but you can rub dry bran on your skin. This went away for a few years, but it's back. You know, uh, this idea of having oatmeal in your soap. My son just bought fancy new soaps, and it's like it, uh, it actually boasts that there's oatmeal in there, etc. So in those days, 
they used to rub the dry bran on their skin to soften their skin. So this is certainly take, not taking the bran with her to the baths is the same as the first halacha in the Mishnah. But this idea of dry of the dry basically is a chiddush of the Mishnah to say that when combined with, let's say, the moisture of her skin or perhaps um, some leftover moisture when she came out of the bath, all of this is not considered enough of a moisture situation to be worried about chametz, and therefore you can, says the Mishnah, uh, rub the dry bran on your skin. Okay. Furthermore, lo yilos adam So this is not allowed. You shouldn't chew wheat and then put it on your wound. This was the right, the old, the old school way of dressing your wounds. Then people would would actually chew wheat and put it on there. Why this is literally from the saliva in your mouth. The saliva in your mouth can create chametz, and this is obviously what we're talking about Pesach, right? This is something that you could do if you want during the year. But on Pesach, all of these activities, the, the issue is you can you you cannot do them on Pesach because they're going to create chametz. So you say like, oh, this this is the source for gebrachts. You'll say so. It's important to to maybe now I'll say before we start the Gemara by way of introduction again. These are wheat and flour, right? The safest thing to put in water, technically, would be matzah, right? Because once it's already matzah, then it's already been baked. It's not going to rise anymore. That's why there's such a thing as matzah flour, right? In other words, that's the least problematic because flour itself can still have the opportunity to leaven. But once it's already been matzah, all, all it's doing, right, is it, expanding. So you may not do it because you want to be careful, right? Either because you think that there's some flour in this matzah that hadn't become matzah yet, or because you think that this activity is going to be too similar to flour, uh, to, to kneading, and you want to again be, so uh, you want to again be extra careful. So all of these issues have to do with being extra careful. So example, so for example, saliva in your mouth, right? If you weren't allowed to put matzah in your mouth because it would mix with saliva, obviously you'd never even be able to eat matzah, right? So, so that, that, because, right, of a concern that there's moisture in your mouth. But that's, that's why the mission is saying that flour, and in fact, in this particular case, wheat kernels, uh, would be a problem, but obviously eating matzah on Pesach is not a problem. Okay, that, that goes without saying. But it is important to note, and again, by way of introduction, that, that this, these are all things that we're going to be careful. The, the, the Gemara is going to have the, the uh, phrase bale nefesh, that people are concerned if people, and we'll see what that phrase means, but these are all um, extra, so to speak, chumras that became a mainstream halacha because of Klal Yisrael's desire to avoid chimutz at all costs. And as we mentioned yesterday's shir, that the idea is that we're, we want to be extra careful with regards to chametz because obviously we're talking about ingredients where matzah and chametz have the same ingredients and it's just how careful are we going to be to stay on, on the safe side and not get into the chametz issue. So now, turning on the afterburners, here we go. Taner Rabbanan says the Gemara, Elu dvarim she'ein bayin lidei chimutz. These are the things that can't become chametz no matter what, and therefore you don't have to be worried about it. So afoy means if it's already baked, right? Obviously, it's already baked. So the Gemara is going to ask, what do you mean it's already baked? If it's baked, it's already chametz, or it's matzah, so we'll see. Mavushal, it's already cooked. Or if it was already scalded in boiling water. So let's analyze this. 
says the Gemara. The first, the, the case of Mevushal. Mevushal, Admi Bashalei, Mechama. Mechama here means it will ferment. Right? So Rashi here has, right, Hamimanafshach. Admi Bashalei, Mechama, the second wide line. Beot Shemaim Poshrim, Kodem Shi Yartichu, Hu Machmitz. Right? So, Mimanafshach. If you're throwing it into hot, scalding hot water, then we already said in the Mishnah that it's not going to become Chametz, because it's scalding hot water. If you're putting it in Mayim Poshrim, in these tepid waters, so then it's going to be Chametz. So what are you saying? In other words, how, how did you avoid Chametz here with regards to something that was already cooked? How did it get to this state? If it got to the state by scalding hot water, then it's never, then there's no Chiddush. If it got to the state by tepid water, then it is Chametz. So what are you doing? So Amar of Papa, no. Ha'afo Yisheh Bishluka Amar. So that's, now we understand the Bryce a little bit better. Because it says, what it really meant to say was that it was first baked. And then it was cooked. So again, right, this is saying that once, and, and, and here Rashi is, is the, this is the anti-Gebrux Gemara, right? Gebrux is, uh, oh, for those of you not familiar with Gebrux, what, 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 what's the minhag um, of yakis with Gebrux? You eat it, you, yeah. I didn't think so. That's it's really a Hasidish Minog. It came from right the Baal Shemtov and and um right the Gra and others were were against it, as you'd imagine. But Afoy Shibishlo, Sarashi says, Klomar, Afoy Afiluhumashlo Acharfio, Eno Machmitz. Right? You baked matzahs, right? Or you baked it. It's not gonna become Machmitz later, even if you if you cook it. Right, this is the whole idea of matzah meal. Gebracht means that you that you don't even take matzah and you don't eat, cook matzah afterwards because you're afraid that there's going to be some chametz in it. It's a Hasidish concept, but Rashi here is, is saying that again, anything like the Gemara is saying, anything that's already been baked and you already have matzah, it's not going to be machmetz again. But we'll see. We try to be extra careful, anyways. So that that's where it's not so surprising that people will be careful, but it's not really an issue of chametz once it's already baked. Okay. So now, Tanya, another bryce. If you have uh, flour and then dripping water is constantly dripping on it, even if it's dripping on it all day long, so we're not talking about 18 minutes, we're talking about 18 hours plus, that flour is not going to be machmitz. And as Rashi explains, this is constant agitation. Constant agitation pre- prevents chimutz. Anybody who's been matzah baking, you know, you keep moving it, you keep moving it, you keep moving it, and that's. And on top of it, we're careful to do it under eighteen minutes, of course. But be that as it may, when you're constantly agitating it, then it is known to prevent chimutz. Okay, so this is, says all, already all day. We're not soymech on this. In other words, that even if it's a physical reality to be true. We're not going to um, assume that it's constant agitation, and we're more machme. Amar of Papa v'huda aved tif lahade tif. As Rav Papa says, this has to be tif lahade tif, a constant drop. This is a anamanapia, tip tip tip, right? A constant drop after a drop. It has to be continuous without stopping, and then with this constant agitation, you're never going to, in fact, reach chimutz. Uh, related halacha, Amri devei Rabbi Shila v'tika shari. What's v'tika? Batika, it's a type of flour, and it's allowed on Pesach. Flour, and it's cooked with liquid salt. So we'll see. We have a contradicting Bryce that says, Vatanya Vatika Aser. Okay, one Bryce that says Vatika is Mutter. One Bryce that says Vatika is Aser. Says the Gemara, Lo Kasher, Hade Avde B'Mishcho Milcha, Hade Avde B'Mayim Milcha. The difference is, are you using oil and salt? That's sort of like, right, um, egg Vatika, as we'll call it. 
Ad Abdi Mayim Milcha is just water and salt. The water and salt, because the water is going to cause it to rise and be machmitz, that's going to be Asr. So that, the, one, the price that says Asr is using water, the one that says Smut is using oil, and that's what's going on. Related halacha, and we'll see, there's a lot of sort of like small halachas here. Amar Marzutra, lo limchi inish kidra bekimcha de avishuna. You shouldn't thicken a pot, a food, with, even with flour of of like grains that you dried in the oven. So here again we see, right? Again, fundamentally, once something is baked, it cannot be cooked. And but all these issues of you know we of us not doing it would be because maybe something didn't become chametz, and now you're going to bring it to chimut, so you're going to be careful. So we're going to have sort of like anecdotal evidence, one episode, another episode, all these different cases. You know, we're not, they're not going to be halacha lemaisa. They're just going to be sort of illustrations of when Chazal were and we're not careful with, with these scenarios. Okay, another halacha, Amar Yosef, lichlut inish, as we arrive at Mem Amr Aleph, lichlut inish, trechite behadeh So here what you're doing is, right, again, as we said, lichlot is scald and boiling water. So we already said that that does not make it chametz. However, here, they're saying two kernels of wheat together. What's the issue? Says the Gemara. A tzir is like a groove. So what's going to happen is when it comes to wheat kernels, the anatomy of a wheat kernel is such it has a groove in it. So one can sort of like get stuck in another one. Well, if that happens, says the Gemara, you're not going to have the boiling water, right, um, surround it from four, the four corners of the earth, right? From four directions, meaning you're not going to, if you knew that there would be scalding hot water surrounding the kernel completely, so then scalding hot water is not machmitz and you know that it's okay. But if there's a scenario as there is with wheat kernels that have grooves in them that they're going to get stuck within each other, so that in the area where they're stuck, you're not going to have direct contact with the scalding hot water. And in that area, you're just getting the warmth from the outside. And then, says the Gemara, V'asil Dechimutz. That's an area in the unexposed area that could become chametz. So again, even though we know fundamentally scalding hot water can't become chametz, we see that we're not going to do this. We're not going to throw in wheat kernels because maybe there is a small area that could, and obviously we, we're not going to be willing to take that chance. A similar, uh, another chumar here, Aha. So Abaye says not only wheat, but also stakes of... Uh, uh, stalks of barley. Why? Okay, uh, another unusual physical reality here. When you scold, as Rashi explains, when you singe, like even dry barley or some other seeds, there's some sort of internal moisture that comes out of that seed. So it's an interesting uh, question, which we're going to see, like a little dynamic here. You know, we talk about mayperos versus water, right? The mayperos aren't machmitz and water is machmitz, okay? Well, moisture that comes out of a seed, is that maim? Like, do we call that water? At a certain point, right, it's all water, right? <laughs> but if it comes out of a fruit in a certain way, then we call it mayperos. So, so is this water what's coming out or is this called mayperos what's coming out of a barley grain? Anyway, the point is, if it is in fact water, so this is the caution of Abaye, he's saying maybe the water is coming out of the barley grain and it's going to in fact start to seep out of the stalk and into another and it's going to be machmitzit, as he says, so that's what it means. It means if you put in two, two stalks of barley, the moisture that comes out for, as a consequence of seeping will in fact go and be machmitz the right its neighbor, and therefore that's why we don't put them in together. 
Rava says, well, Amalei Rava, Ihache, Efilu Chadonami. This physical reality doesn't require two stocks. It could even be just one stock where, let's say, Dilma Nafik Mehai Resha, Uvala Idach Resha, right? You have two ends of the stocks, and, right, the moisture from one end is going to go, and, right, Vala is going to absorb and create a chimutz on the other end. Uh huh. And so, El Amar Rava may peros ninu may peros enen machmitzim. So Rava says the reason why I singled out wheat and I didn't have the same halacha with regards to barley is because I consider this moisture that comes out to be may peros. And we already said that may peros are not machmitz, and therefore I am saying that it's okay. So therefore, wheat is not okay because wheat you have the issue of the fact that they can have these grooves and they're going to not, right, and they're going to stick within each other, not going to be completely surrounded by scalding water. But singeing barley is not an issue because I don't consider the moisture that comes out of that barley to be an issue that's not real water, okay? So as a, con- so as a, um, a consequence of this, right, Abaye retracted his statement that you don't put barley together, uh, but for a different reason. Why? Because as long, because he says a different thing. As long as that liquid, the aforementioned liquid that comes out as a consequence of singeing is flowing, it's not going to cause because of what we said before, because it's constant motion. Is that physical reality true? I guess Abaye, um, investigated this. Okay. Um, now the truth is, uh, we're going to now have the halacha where we see that Abaye did in fact go back on this barley thing as follows. The Amar Abaye, how do we know? Because Abaye said, he was quoted as having said the following. Ha-chatzba de'avishuna, right, the jug that they used for toasting grain. So they used to toast grains in these jug. So he said, Sechifa sharei, zekifa aser, that you're allowed to, so there's two ways to do it. You could toast the grains in the jug either with the jug upside down or right side up. So if you toast it with the jug upside down, it's inverted, then you could toast grains in it like that because uh, because whatever moisture comes out is simply going to flow out. However, zakifa asr means that if you put the right toasting jug upright, like like a regular jug, with the opening up facing upwards, so then, of course, all the moisture will collect at the bottom. And since abaye is still considered, so we see here, Right, that Abaye retracted. Why? Because we see that he's not allowing, right? He's not allowing uh, the water, but again, he's he's allowing it. He's not allowing it when it's upright only and only in the jug. So, what are you learning? Two things. Number one, you're learning that he still is concerned that the moisture that comes out is not mayperos, not like Rava. He's concerned that that water is real water and it can't it has the potential to be machmitz. On the other hand, he's only disallowing it in a jug because in a jug, the water collects on the bottom and is machmitz. As opposed to having these things uh, loosely roasted, that water that flows out, because it's in constant motion, Abaye is going to allow it. So this is where we get the notion that as long as the water is in motion, Abaye is going to allow it. However, if it's in a jug, Abaye is not going is to allow it. Okay. Now... Rava is going to have issue with this halacha as well. Rava Amar Afilu Zakifa Nami Shari. He thinks what? Uh, he's sticking to his guns. His, uh, according to his shita, he's consistent that even in a jug that is facing upwards is going to be mutter. Why? Because as we said before, may peros ninu. Because Rava is sticking to his shita. He's consistent that may peros are in fact not machmitz. As he says, may peros enan machmitzin. Okay, so now we arrive at the first wide line. 
And let's go. You can't soak barley grains in water on Pesach. So that's related to our Mishnah, right? We talked about soaking the bran. So says the Gemara, So if you soak barley on Pesach, here's the halacha. If the grains split, then of course you're concerned that water seeped in and they, they can be, uh, become chametz. However, if you see that the grains of barley are still intact, then you're allowed to use them on Pesach because they're not going to, they could be become machmets, but it's going to be so gradual that you could use them still. Okay. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Shoran Bechomets, Bechomets Tomson. Rabbi Yossi has a suggestion that if you really want to make sure that this chimutz takes a longer time, you should soak them in vinegar. And then that vinegar is going to, right, you see it expanding. Right, when you put barley in water, it expands. So if you see this expansion, you're concerned that it's going to cause to split, and that that splitting has become chametz, you put it in vinegar, and it contracts it again. Okay. So Amr Shmuel, ain't Allah HaKarabiyosi. Shmuel doesn't like this. He said, the Allah is not like We're not using this suggestion of using vinegar. Of course, in today's restaurants that are kosher le Pesach, we were not allowing any of this business, right? We're careful about all of this. Um, um, but, but in those days, it's like, it was just like a different time. We'll see. We're going to have a case where you found random Gaisha dough on the ground. You're like, oh, this, this wasn't, this didn't become chametz. Yes. I, I could use this for matzah and pesach. Right? Different times, different times, simpler times. Uh, we're just going to avoid all of this. We're going to go keto diet over here, except for matzah. Okay. Okay. Lonis baku mamish. Right? When the, when the Bryce is talking about splitting, it doesn't mean they actually split together, uh, all together. Again, he's telling you, be careful. You know, don't read this Gemara and, and go home and tell your wife when she's preparing for Pesach that she could use barley and it's not chametz as long as it's not split. Because it doesn't really mean split. Rashi's explains that barley right before it splits is very, it's like in a very sort of like delicate state. Such that, what's this pi chavis? Such that if you put it on a, over a barrel of wine, the, just the very smell or whatever, the scent of that wine could cause them to split. Okay, that's what it means. So basically, if Chris is quoting Mar Ukva is saying that if you get the barley and it's now, now it's like filled and it's swell, swollen and it's filled with the moisture, even if it's not split, it's still going to be something that, that's too, um, that, that's too dangerous to handle from a chametz perspective because it's in the state already where it's about to split so much so that if you put it over wine, just the, being around that, the strong scent of the wine could be enough to split it. That's already too dangerous to deal with. Okay, that was the opinion of Marukva. However, Shmuel Amar Nisbak Umam Shmuel says that no, the only the only barley that's usher is when it's actually split. And in fact, says the Gemara, Avat Shmuel Uvda Bedura Devei Barchashu. Shmuel ruled, right? Barchashu is, is the name of a person. So in the place, in the settlement where Barchashu lived, right, he actually w- w- ruled like this, Lahalacha, Nisbaku Mamish. He said, this is actually waiting for it to be, has to be split. Um, right, so in other words, uh, Burman was saying, of course, I mean, that's what he held. What is this, a chiddish that he, that he, uh, held to, that, that he passed in the way he held? So, that's what Rashi says. Rashi says, that 
Shmuel not only held theoretically that the barley has to be fully split in order to be asr, but, but, but in fact, in this particular case, he was in, right, Bar, he was in Bar Chashu's house and he saw that they were very, very precariously swollen, but they had not yet split and he allowed them to be used. And so he paskin like himself. Good. All right, six lines down in the wide. Related halacha. Amar, here's the phrase. Amar Rabba Baal Nefesh Lo Yiltos. The great Dafyomi master of Bar I think it was him who said it in the name of, I think, the Maharal. Baal Nefesh. Baal Nefesh is the person who's extra sensitive. So again, we're not talking about Mikir Din Halachas here. We're talking about somebody who's very extra sensitive, the idea of a Baal Nefesh. Uh, I, I, Every once in a while, I, I remember many years ago, I asked a Shaila of somebody, I don't remember the Kashra's question, but somebody said, a Baal Nefesh would, would be, wouldn't, wouldn't eat there, right? About a restaurant. In other words, Me'ikar Adin, maybe it's not an issue, but a Baal Nefesh. Now, the reason I mentioned the Ma'aral is, it's an unusual phrase. We think of the Neshama as the holiest part of us, and so you say like a Baal Neshama, person who has a Neshama. So no, Baal Nefesh means somebody who is a Baal over his Nefesh Bahamas. Right? You have the nefesh is usually associated with your animal instinct. And so a Baal nefesh is a person who's master over his animal instinct. That's what Rabari Leewood said. Okay. So Baal nefesh, be that as it may, is a person who's control, who has total control and therefore is, is, uh, using his seichel as is the purpose of our life to overcome his, uh, his, in, his nefesh. He's not, he's not going to be soaking grains on Pesach. Right? He's going to be past that. Okay. So the Gemara, my ear Baal Nefesh. Well, why is he talking about only Baal Nefesh? This should be true of everyone. Afilu kuli al manami. What do you mean? Nobody should be soaking grains in Pesach. The hatanya ain't lo sisin or in Pesach. We learned in the Brisa that we just said, you don't soak barley on Pesach. So Gemara says, no, hachikamar. Baal Nefesh afilu chitin de shrire lo yiltas. What Rabbah means is, right, even wheat, right, which is hard. Chitin de shrire means that it's very, it's tough wheat such that it's not likely to even inflate. So once you have this tough wheat, even that you don't soak. So you don't soak barley, you don't soak wheat. In that sense, we're all Bali Nefesh. We're careful not to do any of these things. Okay, or Amalek of Nachman, again, to soak matzah would be different, but to soak wheat, come on now. Amalek of Nachman, Rav Nachman said to Rabbah, mine, man did tzayt le Abba. Abba, Rashi explains, is Rabbah here. Right, it wasn't really his father. But he was quoting Rabbah, and he called him Abba as a, as a term of right honor. So, man anybody who listens to what Rabbah says, he's going to end up eating spoiled bread. Rashi explains, So this gets into a little discussion, which we're going to stick, stick with for a little while. So let's just explain what we're talking about here. We're talking about soaking wheat. Now, when you soak wheat, it becomes, right, what you're doing is, you're getting rid of some of the dirt. The solace becomes nucky, right? You're going to make it clean, okay? So what is this? This is white bread versus whole wheat. Whole wheat is just basically wheat where you didn't soak it and take off all the chaff and all the things. So we consider that to be excellent. But in those days, white bread was considered good and whole wheat was like dog food, okay? So when he says namadi pusha, spoiled bread, he's talking about whole wheat. As Rashi explains it, okay. Boy, it look, it looks, uh, it looks bad in those days. So that's what Rav Nachman is saying. That if you hold like Rabbah that you can't soak wheat, in other words, not just barley, 
Right, we just explained. Rabbah is saying that he applies not just barley, but the reason he's saying barley nefesh is because he's talking to wheat as well. So if you never soak wheat, says Rav Nachman, you're going to end up eating gross bread, which is whole wheat, which we think is great. But in those days, that was considered gross. And now he's going to explain what he's saying, Rav Nachman. The Habei Rav Huna lasasi, right in the house of Rav Huna, they used to soak wheat on Pesach. Uvei Rava Bar Avin lasasi. And in, Bar, in Rabbi Barabbas, they also used to soak wheat. In other words, everybody used to soak wheat because after all, nobody's going to eat gross bread, gross matzah, as it were. Okay. A third opinion, Rabbi Amar Asr Liltos. But Rabbi said, you can't soak even wheat, not just, right, not just barley, but nobody's allowed to. So this is the third opinion. So Rabbi holds that it's Asr, right? And Rabbi says it's only Bali Nefesh. So, okay, so what's going on here? So, Elahadatanya, so now there's this third opinion that it's us who says, wait a minute. We have a Bryce that says, Ain losa sin sa'orin Pesach, that you can't soak barley on Pesach. Sa'orin hudulo, hachite shari. It sounds like when you have the Bryce that says it's only with regards to barley, wouldn't you think that that means to exclude wheat and say that you can, in fact, soak wheat? So this is a broad as, right, contradiction of Rava who says that it's Usr. So the Gemara answers, Lomi bai kamar. No, this is one of those stylistic, the style of this price is the lomi bite, where you say one, which is saorin, not to exclude wheat, but to say, of course, if you can't soak barley, then of course you can't soak wheat. How so? Let's see. Lomi bai chitin. Certainly, you don't even need to mention chitin because it's so obvious that you can't soak wheat. Why? Cave on the Isbate Syria, because like we said, wheat has grooves. So since wheat has grooves, Aile Buhumaya, the water could enter and causes them to become chametz. Avalsare, the Shi'e, however, barley that is smooth, Ema Shapir Dami. You would have thought that's that, in other words, once you know that barley is, can't be soaked, you know for sure that wheat can't be soaked because Ema Shapir Dami, right? You would think that Barley, maybe you are allowed to soak because it's so smooth and therefore it has no gro- internal grooves that allow water to seep in and be machmitz. But once you learn that barley is, oak, is, is usher to soak, kamash malan, the rice is coming to teach you that barley is usher to soak. And from there, lo bai, right? From the fact that you know that barley is usher to soak, certainly the wheat that has the grooves is going to be usher to soak. And that is, in fact, so that price is, in fact, not only, right, going to not contradict Rava, but it supports Rava's shita that soaking wheat should be awesome. Okay. However, so now, um, right, now that he has this, now that Rava has this price in support of him, he's going to retract his Allah and say that's going to be mutter. Let's see. Hada Amar Rava. However, Rava subsequently paskind mutter lotos. That is actually, in fact, mutter to soak wheat. How do we know? The Tanya Yotin Bepas Nikia. You can fulfill Right, matzah with white bread. Uh, so how are you going to do that? He says, Yosem Pasnakia Vehadra. He says, you can have whole wheat matzah, you can have white wheat ma- white bread matzah, all of these are mutter. And as the, right, as we say, the after Nakia below Lisisa. The only way, as we described before, the only way you're going to have Nakia, which is the white bread matzah, the only way that you're going to have that, the only way to have it is to, is to have it soaked. And since they were apparently were break, baking this, um, all on, on Pesach and everything like that. And regardless, even if you did it beforehand, if we had any issue of it becoming chametz, and certainly we wouldn't be able to use it as matzah. So the very fact that we have non-whole wheat matzah, in fact, by definition means that at some point this wheat had to have been soaked because that's the only way you get to white bread matzah, 
right, is by soaking it. And therefore, just the very presence of this matzah means that, in fact, the matzah was soaked, and therefore, it must be that we are not concerned about soaking wheat leading to chimuts. Okay. So now we have another bracer, however. Ezra of Papa Larava, but of Papa is going to challenge this idea that soaked wheat is okay from the following bracer. Here we go. If you have, let's say, flowers, okay, and, right, soles, kemach is flour. Soles is fine flour, as we know with the carbonus. We'll get to this. Okay, so the kemach and the fine flour of nachrim shall kfarim tahorim. If they're from, right, the villages, it's going to be okay. It's going to be tahor. So that's presumably because we think that, what, that it's not, tar means it's not susceptible to tumah. But if it's in the cities, it is susceptible to Tumah. This goes back to what we've discussed many times, that in order to be Mechabal Tumah, something has to have Mukhshar, right? You need to have a Hechshar Lechabal Tumah, which is to say, it needs to have contact with moisture. So the assumption is that in the cities where they were fancy, they were in fact susceptible to Tumah because they'd been soaked. And therefore they have moisture on them, as opposed to in the villages where they're eating this whole wheat, Right, so there it's not soaked, and that's why it can't be makabatuma. That's why we call it tar. Okay, so says the Gemara, the kfar my time. What's the reason that in the kfar it's going to be tar? Lav mishum de Isn't it true that in the kfar the reason why it's not it, not tame is because you didn't soak it? Okay, well here's what's interesting. However, vikakari lay solas. Right, when you look at the right at this brisa, what do you see? That the nach that you had what in the kfar were allowing both the flour and the fine flour. Well, what is this? We have fine flour. We're calling it soles, and we're saying from the kfar it's still mutter. Doesn't that imply that you can in fact have white bread soles, right? Fine flour, which we which we associate with white bread without any soaking at all. Because again, the difference between the kfar and Right, the city, the krach, is, is presumed to be that one place they do soak it and the other place they don't. So the Gemara simply answers, Targuma Akimcha. No, just say that that Bryce is talking, when it's talking about the villages, it's not talking about their solas, because that obviously can't be solas, because they're not soaking it. When it's talking about the kfar, it just means it's referring to the kemach. It's only later when they say the kemach and the solas, it's saying that the solas is what? Referring to the krach. But in the, but enachinami, in the kfar there is no such thing as soles because they in fact don't soak their wheat. Okay. So that was against Rava and that was an attempt, right? Um, that was an attempt that Rav Papa had to bring to Rava, right? To show from that price of kmachin vislasas. However, amazingly, Basar Dinafik, after Rava left, Amar, Rav Papa said to himself, my time Wait a minute, wait a minute. I had a better riot. Not just from the brysa of, of the kfar versus the krach. I had a way better riot. This is called Esprit d'Escalier. Michael Katz from Orthodontic School 20 years ago told me. Esprit d'Escalier, where you have a conversation, it's, it, that's French for staircase humor. Which means you're walking down the staircase and you remember, oh, if I had had the, my wits about me, I could have said such a great joke. Esprit d'Escalier. After the fact, you say, oh, I, I would have had such a better Raya. What's the Raya that Papa regrets not having mentioned to Rava when he was there? The following. The Amar Rabbi Zeva, Amar Rabbi Yirmi, Amar Shmuel, Chitin Shil Menachos. Getting back to the Karbanas here, right? The Menachos have what? Solas, right? 
we say what? They, there's a halacha that, that in the name of Shemuel, that chitin shomanachos ain loisesin osan, right? That you can't soak the mincha, right? Those, those, those grains are supposed to be non-soaked grains. Aha. The solace of the korban mincha is in fact, right, whole wheat. It can't be soaked. However, that's the best proof of them all. Every time, right, you read about the Menachos in the Torah, the Chumash calls it solace. And we call it solace despite the fact that we know that the halacha is that it can't be soaked. So therefore we see that even when it says, right, in the Brisa, Kfar, that in the Kfar, the solace and the Kemach, so we see a, a, a right, an explicit Raya that it, despite the lack of soaking, it's still considered solace, and therefore it should be, right, and therefore we can see that the difference is that you can, in fact, have whole, you can, in fact, have white, what we call, like, white matzah, right, um, even without the soaking. So that, what that means is that the very presence of white wheat matzah does not necessarily imply that you are allowed to soak. That just, it could be that it's called white White bread matzah, even without the soaking, just like the menachos are called solace, even without soaking. Aha. So now, ten lines up from the bottom, we're going to see that Rava, right, we're going to say, Lahavdil elf alfe havdalos, but he looks like, um, right, like a politician that in, early in his career, he said it was Aser. Then later in his career, he said, well, actually, we're going to say this, the Shvach. This was, Rava was always self-evaluating, and just because he said it earlier in his career that it was Usser doesn't mean that he was going to stick to his guns just by matter of pride, right? He actually went back. So he went first, as you saw, Rava said that it was Usser. Then he subsequently changed his mind. He says that it's Mutter. Now, finally, we're going to read this final stage here. Hada Amarava, the third and final position of Rava, was mitzvah iltos. So he went from saying that's also to do it to saying that it's a mitzvah to soak these grains. Wow. How so? So now we get, we launch into a new topic here. Shenemar ushmartem etzamatzos. That you have to guard the matzos from becoming chametz. E lo devoy lesisa. If it were not for the fact that you were soaking, shimur lamai, what are you guarding? So you could say, well, you're guarding the storehouse so that it doesn't get wet. Okay. But apparently there's a relationship here from the fact that you're soaking it. That's where the shimur is from. Let's see. Ishimur delisha, shimur delisha lav shimur hu. So first of all, this gets into, right, launches into huge discussion, matzah shmura. Right? We have something called matzah shmura. Question is, matzah shmura, is it says ushmartem as a matzos, right? So you, the pasuk is telling you to guard these matzos. Well, what does that mean? Guard your matzos. You're supposed to hire a guard um, on the box of of matzos that you have, or at what stage does this guarding, in fact, begin? So that's the discussion here. So we say, well, maybe what it means is you're supposed to have people watching very carefully over the kneading of the dough. Well, that can't be. Why shimer delisha lav shimer her? Why the amar of huna? Incredible halacha. If you find literally, literally, dough of, of non-Jews, right? And you could tell, okay, so in those days at least they could tell that it wasn't machmets yet. But you're literally finding dough on the ground that some nachri had. And you could eat it at this Pesach Seder. Are you kidding me right now? You could fill up on that. First, at the Seder. 
Of course, you're not going to be yoytze matzah with it because the Gayim didn't need the dough. You know, they weren't saying l'shem matzah mitzvah the whole time that they were needing the dough. But you can't be yoytze matzah from it, but you can, but you can eat it. As, and Ravuna is basically saying that in, right, at the end, <coughs> right, you need to have a kazayas matzah. But in the beginning, no. In other words, it's not chametz, as we said, but it's not yaitse. So by the end of the day, you have to have eaten matzah, certainly, right? Because that's the point. You have a chiv of eating matzah at the Seder. But it's not to say that you have a chiv, right, of eating. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's also to eat this, this batzek nachri. So amazingly, batzek nachri, as long as you know that it wasn't machmitz yet, you're allowed to eat. Well, what does that show you? That shows you that the shmura doesn't apply to the dough stage. Because after all, there's no shmira whatsoever. You're literally finding this on the street. So the Rav says, My time, I'm shimur. It must be that the reason why this is okay, that it's, right, that, that the reason why you can't use it for matzah, so just to orient ourselves, because this is very disorienting for our modern sensibilities. He's saying the reason why you can't use this gaisha dough that you found on the street for matzah's mitzvah is because it had no shimur. Otherwise, you'd be able to use it as matzah's mitzvah. In other words, matzah is defined as flour and water that has not yet leavened. Aha. But let him guard it only from afia. Right? So from this, it seems that shimur mi'ikara ba'inan. Right? This implies that shimur has to be, right, has to be what has to be uh, washed from the beginning. In other words, Rava is holding that it's a mitzvah to wash the grains, and because it's a mitzvah to wash the grains, you have to have a meaningful shmirah all the way from the beginning, all the way from the beginning where it starts to rise. But the Gemara says, no, my, wait, wait a minute. How does this teach you that the shmirah has to be all the way from the beginning when you're soaking the grains? Dilma shiny hasam, l'shimur, l'shimur. No. Maybe it means at the time where it needed to be guarded, namely when you started kneading the dough, you started adding the water to the flour, at that point it didn't have shimur. But in a situation where at the time that it's, you mix the water and the flour, it was, right, it was guarded, you already had shimur, then you would see that in fact guarding, right, the actual, right, the actual kneading of the dough is in fact shimur. In other words, the fact that the nachri dough is not okay, it's not because it needs to have shmira in the soaking grain stage. It, it's not okay because obviously it's already dough, so it didn't have shmira even in, in the kneading stage. And so, in other words, this idea that you can't use the nachri dough as matzah's mitzvah is not an indication of the fact that you have to soak it and watch it. It's just an indication of the fact that once it's already dough, then it should be from the beginning of becoming dough, it should be watched. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, but Rav is still held that it's a mitzvah to soak, soak the grain, how so? Even before the kneading process, how so? For that, Rav didn't, didn't go back in his opinion. Because we know, halachically, that he turned, he told the people who are what? Turning over the sheaves of wheat at harvest. He said, ah, This is the original source over here of like the chabur matzahs, right? He says, do that l'shem mitzvah. Every stage, even the turning over the grain. Alma kasavar shimur mi'ikar mitchilasavat sofa He holds that Rava here holds 
that Shmira, right? It says a Shmira to Mitzvah We don't know when that Shmira is supposed to start. So we see that that what's going to happen here is that Rava is going to make you wash the grain. Why? Because by washing the grain, it forces you to watch the grains more carefully and more intently from the beginning. So this is the proof over here, that from the fact that Rava wants you to start watching this from the beginning, he's going to allow moisture to be around it all the way from the beginning. And so this is sort of like a roundabout way of showing that he likes the idea of soaking the grains because he's holding this matzah to be shomer already from then. Okay? And in fact, a lot of people picked up this minhag, mar the bere de ravina, right? Mar, the son of ravina, as we turn to remember, obeys. His mother would, would store grain for him, what, in, ba- in basins. In other words, she would store grain for him, which Rashi says, right, the first Rashi on Mem Abbas, from Mishas Ketzira. So there we see on the matz, box of matzahs, it says Mishas Ketzira, from the time that they, that they harvested it, already they were being shimer, and therefore they were being machmer, so to speak. They were extending this to Shemar as early as possible. Okay? Okay, so now, what about grain that becomes wet before you grind it? There was a ship that had wheat in it, and the Tava Bechishta. However, Chishta is the name of a river. It sunk, and so all the wheat got wet. Shaya Rabbah is Abunale Nachram. Shabbat says you could sell it to the Gayim, but you can't sell it to Jews because it was almost Pesach and this is all going to become Chamitz. So, Esvei Rabbah Bar Levi, the Rabbah, Rabbah Bar Levi said, Begich Avar Bakilaim. Well, this seems to be against the following Brisa. Let's say you have, uh, you're sewing a garment and you know that you have a piece of Kilaim in there, right? You know that you have a piece of Shatnas in there, woolen linen, but you don't remember. Avar Lokilaim, you can't remember where you stuck that, that thread in. So now you have the shotness in there you can't find to take out. So you say, We don't even want you to sell this to a guy. Why? Don't even use it as a saddle for your donkey. You can use it as shroud for a corpse. Okay, that's a whole other uh, discussion. But the point is that you're never going to dig that out of the ground. Okay. Um, why can you wrap a corpse, uh, a corpse with kilaim? Because after all, he's not chayev in mitzvahs. He's not going, and he's not getting any warmth from it, any hana. And you're never going to see this beggar again. So that's that's a good suggestion. But the point here is what? Nachrim, my time alone. Why are we not allowing you to sell shotness to Nachrim? Like Nachrim aren't mechoyev in shotness. So it says no. Lab mishum dehadam zabin liyisrael. So in other words, we don't want to sell shotness to Nachrim because we don't have any tag on the, on the bag to say that there's shotness here. And, there's, and, and you can't even sell it to the shotness lab because they're never going to find the thread. So we just don't want these clothes in circulation. What if the Nachri sells it back? So similarly here, why are you selling the chametz to a Nachri? What, if the, what, if, what are you selling the grains to a Nachri? You won't be able to tell that they're chametz and you don't want the Nachri to sell these grains back. So, so therefore, Rava retracted again. So we see Rava, very self, right? He's not sticking necessarily to, um, to what he said. He's very introspective and he's willing to change his mind if he hears a good svara. He says, no, you're right. Better than selling it to Goyim, sell it Kaba Kabbalah Yisrael. Sell little pieces at a time to Jews so that they eat it up all before Pesach and therefore you're going to be okay. It'll be consumed that way. Uh, before Pesach is better than selling it to Nachari because you don't want these wheats to get, get go into circulation. People thinking that they are in fact mutter. Let's see a couple more minutes. Yeah, Tanarabon. 
You can't add flour to a cooking pot in Pesach. But if you want to, right? put in the vinegar afterwards because the vinegar, as we said, hastens the cooking, prevents the chimuts. Okay? So Rashi explains. Right? Some people say that it doesn't matter. As long as the chomets um, is, is there with the kemach, it's going to be machmets. Even if the chomets is, in, is itself going to not be as concentrated, it's going to be diluted by the fact that it's there with the food, that's okay. It, it's still going to avoid chimuts. Ma'an yesh omrim. Who's this yesh omrim? Amr b'chisar Rabbi Yehuda. That's Rabbi Yehuda. That's non, because we learned in the Mishnah that here it is, the reference to Masechah Shabbos. In Shabbos Membez, he says, you might recall, the Mishnah. Right, you have a frying pan or a pot. Right, it's off the fire. So it's clear. Rishon, lo agabe esh, it's boiling. Lo yitem atochan tavlin. We said you can't add spices. But you could put it into a bowl, which is a klisheni, right? Even though it still contains hot liquid, it's okay. It's not considered bishul. So what's this? There, Rabbi Huda says that you could put it into all of these things, and it's not bishul, unless there's chomets. If there's chomets or tzir, so in Shabbos, that was bad, right? Because that's bishul, because chomets hastens the bishul. But for our purposes, it's good. Because if chometz hastens the bishul, it avoids the chimutz. That's the point. So chometz avoids the chimutz. Right? That's uh, uh, ironic. So just finishing up to the Mishnah here. V'nukma ke and we hold like Rabbi Yossi, the Tanya, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Shoran, v'chometz, v'chometz, t'somosan. Right? Rabbi Yossi itself, we already said that the, that the, that the vinegar contracts the kishmin, like Rabbi Yossi, honey, milis, t'yisi, be'ene, avayidei tarovis, lo. So maybe the, that's not a contradiction because a tarovis, it doesn't do so, but if it's concentrated, it does. Ulamar echadzev echadzev aser. Still vinegar we don't allow. Mishum lech lecha amrinu nazira. We say to the nazir, go away. Schor schor lecham alotikarov. Just like we say to a nazir, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be hanging around vineyards. Why risk it? Similarly, we say that to human beings. With regards to chametz, or papi sharlo levordiki de beireish kalusa. If Papi gave permission to the bakers of Reish Kalusa to thicken with flour, is there a way that anybody would uh, allow this where you have uh, slaves? So some say that Rava didn't allow it, some say that he did allow it. The bottom line is, if we don't allow it, it's like a Nazir in a vineyard. These are all issues where we try to avoid as best we can. We'll stop here at the Mishnah.